She's an Australian alternative singer-songwriter. Her debut album peaked at number 15 on the ARIA album charts and she's a lifelong Saints fan. Our first guest is Alex Leahy. As we embarked on our first AFLW season, I wanted to chat with inspiring women from different industries, each owning it in their own space. I'll discover what their challenges are as well as their success stories to take back to the team. You're listening to Owning It with Kate McCarthy. All right, so Alex, a big fan of your music. Um, It's awesome to have you in at the club. Um, Your music's evolved a lot over time. Take us back to, I know you started playing the saxophone. How did it all begin? Um, Well, first of all, thanks. That's really kind of (laughs) you to say. Um, And thanks for coming to the gigs as well. Yeah. Um, It's funny, I was saying to you before, now I get to see where you work after (laughs) you getting to see where I work. But um, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, I'm really lucky to, you know, get to do what I do. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I got, I was really, really lucky, especially at high school to have a great music program there and kind of fell in love with playing the saxophone. And yeah, I mean, which sort of like immediately puts you into that sort of jazz kind of world. Um, and I think, and I really loved that because I got to play in a lot of big bands and bands and that kind of thing. Um, but as I sort of left school and I was sort of studying jazz more intensely, I think I discovered that I actually didn't love jazz. I loved playing in bands. Um, and so um, and I also really love writing songs. So I was in a band for ages called Animo with a bunch of friends from school and we played around Melbourne religiously for a number of years. And, um, and it was so great to sort of learn how to gig and how to write songs and how to work with other people um, and kind of like find my voice, so to speak. Um, so like my own project kind of like came about a bit more accidentally, but I just think that, you know, these things... That's sort of how things happen. Um, if you kind of dedicate yourself to something, um, you don't actually know how it's going to manifest itself into becoming what you want it to be. Um, so that's sort of like how it happened for me. Um, but, yeah, just out, like sport hours of practice and being really dedicated and, yeah, yeah all those sorts of things. Yeah, and those you principles. said you, you love playing in a band. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's pretty similar. I did a lot of individual sports growing up and ultimately it was the teamwork and the team atmosphere that was why I sort of chose team sports in the end. How difficult then was it going from, I guess, working within a really good team in your band um, to then going out on your own? Was there a number of challenges associated with that? Did you miss like the atmosphere of having a really collaborative discussions and things like that around your music? It was definitely a challenge. Like I think I wasn't kind of aware of um, the amount of responsibility that was then sort of like thrown on me, especially creatively. Like I couldn't go into a rehearsal and be like, oh, I'm sort of thinking about this. Like what do you guys reckon? And like, you know, what would you do? And all that kind of stuff because that's kind of not what those people's jobs are anymore. You know, they do what they're told to do. Um you know, and which is a skill in itself as well, but it would mean that I would have to come in and be really sure about what I wanted. So I remember sort of like, um, you know, having a rehearsal once years ago and being like, oh, what do you guys think? And someone being like, man, like... That's your job. Yeah, that's kind of like your your gig. And I'm like, you know, and, and, and I, I sort of wasn't that surprised to hear that. I think it was just a bit of a reality check. I'm like, yeah, shit, I need to like get my stuff together and be really sure about the direction that I want to go in. Yeah, and um, do you think that was a confidence thing? Like you weren't... confident enough to tell people what to do and you had to sort of learn that I think it was a confidence thing I think it was just like uh, having yeah having faith in my own ability um and that and that kind of stuff as well um and sort of not like undermining myself in that way because it could have been so easy for someone to be like yeah let's do this and then all of a sudden I don't have 
you know, I don't have my, my you know, after finding, trying to find my voice for so long, it kind of gets taken away from me. So, like, yeah. it, it's really great that, you know, that conversation did happen quite early on. Um, but, yeah, definitely challenging for sure. Yeah, and everything now that you've got out is obviously really authentic and, and comes from a space that you're really happy with because you've been able to own the whole process. Totally, and I think that it's also, like, important to be able to collaborate still, but I think the way that collaboration happens for me now is a lot different from going into a room and jamming with a bunch of people. Although, like, I do sort of crave that a lot, but it's about now being really conscious of where that kind of fits in for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because I want to be creative and I want to play and it doesn't always have to be a means to an end. Um, and it's kind of, like, ironic how that becomes harder and harder, sort of the more professional that it gets. I wonder if it's the same in sport or whatever, like, you know, just doing things for fun can sometimes be harder to come by. Yeah, it's 100% yeah. the same. I remember the first two seasons of AFLW were just new and super exciting because it was brand new. No one had ever done it before. Mm. Um, I was officially being paid to do what I love. Yeah. Um, and then sort of the third season rolls around, it's like, okay, like, is this what life is now? Like mm. I'm doing this, have I lost a bit of the fun out of mm. it? Is that all that there is to it? Mm. And then you kind of need to sort of find little things that you still enjoy, that you still love out of it, like finding little games you can play at training or really making it competitive yeah. within drills and things like that because otherwise you do, you lose the passion and you started playing in the first place because you love it. Totally. And I think like touring is a lot like that and like it's really important, you know, like touring and training and all those things like that are inherently like, on paper actually not that fun like yeah. getting up at the crack of dawn to train is not fun and like no. you know sitting in a bus in like the middle of nowhere America for 18 hours is not fun but like you have to find the fun in it and if you can't do that then what like why you, you need to sort of reassess why you're doing it and yeah. I think it's like a really good exercise in just having a good attitude and being positive because if you can't be positive about it then you're just not going to enjoy it and then your performance isn't going to be as good yeah yeah is performing your why is that what you love doing or is it recording and writing songs what is the thing for you that you just absolutely love and when you either finish a show or write a new song the thing that gives you the ultimate satisfaction I think I go in and out of what the why is which is a good thing because it sort of means that nothing can really be taken away from me in a way um at the moment I feel like very um like I sort of love all my children equally so to speak <laughs> um but sometimes I love touring more than I do writing and you know I'm doing a lot of writing at the moment but before going into that I was like dreading it I was you know, it's scary kind of, you know, the possibility of nothing happening is horrifying. Um, so, I mean, it is great, you know, the bittersweet parts of, um, you know, like songwriting when you write a song that you think is great and you really believe in that's such a great feeling but then it's also like what if I never write another song again <laughs> or what if this is like as good as it gets because you always want to get better. Yeah. Um, and then like touring is, um, you know, you, for every amazing show that you have in your career I reckon you probably have like, you know, far more like not great shows so like it's 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 you know you really have to savor the wins yep. um but at this stage like I'm loving everything really equally sometimes I like sort of get down about one more than the other but right now it's it's pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. and you're a massive Saints fan obviously Love the Saints. um so good to have you in here we just took you for a quick tour of the facilities give us your thoughts what do you think it's amazing I it's so new and shiny and fresh and it, it smells good for now probably not when the season starts <laughs> yeah that's our change rooms in particular <laughs> um but uh no it's incredible it's like now that the you know we're in the aflw that's huge and i've been waiting for it for years as well and it's just like it's so exciting and i think that 
um, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who I won't say who, but plays for another GW. Uh, oh shit, plays <laughs> for another <laughs> AFL team. <laughs> and she was like, "The Saints are giving it. They're all like, they're going, they're going all in, and it's awesome." So yeah. I think everyone's really excited about what's going to happen with the club this season. And I mean, as a fan, and you know, especially as a young woman, like it's sick. You know, now yeah. I'm so excited that it's happening yeah what's your earliest memory then as a St Kilda fan when did you first I guess jump on the bandwagon well probably not a bandwagon seeing as we've only won one premiership in 1966 a little bit before our time but well um. I like I it's funny for me because like my both my parents uh, neither of them are from Australia so it's not like I came from like a long line of footy fans um my grandfather um like who is my mother's stepfather is a diehard North supporter. So I have like a very, very soft spot for those guys. But the Saints kind of came up because I, I mean, I grew up in Albert Park. So like, um, you know, logistically it's very close. Um, but then also my prep teacher was a Saints supporter. I don't know if there was something in that too, but that was sort of the team that I got like exposed to at a very young age for various reasons. But um, yeah, I mean, it could have gone a few ways. Maybe if I was born a few years earlier, I would have been a swan supporter or something I don't know but yeah the Saints it's just been one of those things and you know especially for you know I was five years old in 90 what 97 98 and then after that not so many great years (laughs) and you know I still managed to stick in there so I feel like this is something it's meant to be I I never jump ship yeah (laughs) yeah I feel like that's one thing about the Saints supporters they're just die hard like if they're still Saint supporters, they've been Saint supporters their whole life. They haven't jumped on board in the last 10 years, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, obviously, yeah, you touched on it before. You're really excited about, I guess, having a women's team. And what does that mean to you, I guess, as a really successful female to then see your team having women run around in the jerseys? I think it's just like, for me, it's it's almost, you know, as, as someone who has never really played football or been in a club, like it is there is a dream come true sort of like factor to it. It's just I think that there was maybe um, a part of me like as a teenager, um, I mean like how do I frame this? I think it's the same in music as well. Like statistically this is like I'm going to give you some stats. So like <laughs> with music statistically there are far more um, female high school graduates in music um, than male but then you just have to look at like a festival lineup to see that the skewing of professional musicians is far more male centric. And I've spoken about this to various friends about where does it change? What what happens to make these to, to make these statistics happen? Like what where does this flip happen? And I sort of remember as a teenager like losing a bit of interest in football. Like after being so into it as a kid and like in primary school and early high school, sort of losing interest in it. And I wonder if a part of that was feeling like I couldn't relate to the club anymore because I was becoming, you know, an adolescent and like a woman and all of a sudden I couldn't identify with what I was seeing. And um, and I think it's amazing now that like kids who are that age are going to be seeing themselves on the field and that could, um, you know, give them an incredible relationship with sport and with, you know, just things like teamwork and self-confidence and fitness and all that kind of stuff. And I wonder if like having you know, these great women's teams with clubs with, you know, loyal supporters means that the statistics aren't going to be so skewed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, totally, yeah. 100%. Like you can only be what you can see really. Totally, And yeah. if, you, if you can't see it, it really is hard to lose, I guess, 
sight and passion for it. It's yeah. easy just, just, oh, well, like that's not what I can do. I mean, yeah. I grew up in an age where I never, like I was in Brisbane, so it was rugby league central, oh. but I never for one minute thought that I'd be playing AFL because first of all, women didn't play AFL. So why should I be able to play AFL? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it just wasn't exposed to me in that way. Mm. And now being able to see all the young girls that have now come through a pathway. I mean, we have girls that were drafted this year that have now played more years of footy than I have yeah. and I'm 27 and they're 18. Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing that now there are girls that can come through and not be lost like yourself maybe at, at the age where, oh, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this. Oh, but look at my role model doing it or this yeah. girl that's done it. And it's it's amazing as a sport now that we're able to, I guess, have a full pathway yeah. I think it's girls. I think more than anything it's, it's great that, yeah, these young girls um, will more than maybe I was able to at that age always feel like they belong in, yeah. in you know, in footy and in and sport. And in society and, yeah, as well. Yeah, and all these things. I think it's, I think it's great. And, like, um, yeah, like that, that it, to me is the most exciting thing, just like basically there being, you know, and also there being no excuse for schools not to have a girls' footy team. Yeah. Like, you know, I went to a school where they only had dudes playing footy. Yeah. Um, but now, like, that, that, that doesn't exist anymore and, like, and it can't. Like there's no there's no excuse for not fostering that, and I yeah. think that that's awesome. Want more Saints AFLW in your life? Follow us at St Kilda FCW on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Obviously, as women, we sort of juggle a lot of things in our women's career as well to train and play and mm-hmm. working while we're training. You obviously didn't write a song and then be able to make money out of music straight away. Yeah. How difficult was it for you to juggle all the aspects of life, whether it's making a living, whether it's writing new songs? having the ability to go out and perform. Was there ever a time where you're like, I don't know if this is worth it. It's really bloody hard. I don't have enough time for it. Totally. Like I've been pretty, I've been really lucky that I've been able to make a living off what I do for the last couple of years, which is, you know, it's such a privilege and hopefully will last forever, but you know, you never, you never know um, with these things. I think, you know, for a very, you know, from finishing school up until that point, not so long ago, like, I was always juggling part-time jobs um, and just being really diligent about sort of like where I was spending my time and also how much I was like working at those jobs. So I always had a bit of time to dedicate to music. And there were definitely like, you know, sacrifices that happened along the way. I probably didn't like travel as much in my early 20s as I would have liked to because I was saving money to do, you know, certain things. Um, but, you know, it all kind of came together in the end. But I think, you know, especially for you guys, like juggling day jobs and that kind of thing is like a, you know, huge reality. Um, but... yeah I just kind of like it was again a a bit of a means to an end and I didn't really have like an alternative I was like I'll do this until I don't have to do anymore yeah and then one day I didn't I didn't really have to anymore or rather I didn't have time to do it anymore and sort of just had to get on the road yeah so yeah any weird jobs that you had to do to maintain? Yeah, I used to work at a video shop with Phoebe McWilliams. That's the best one. <laughs> oh, they don't even exist anymore. I know. That's how, if anyone listening, there used to be shops that would hire out videos. I know, I know. And, yeah, P-Mac and I were there, so that was pretty funny. But yeah, I thought um, she was the coolest. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard you comment previously that learning music wasn't something that came, like, really naturally to you um, and that your parents weren't overly musical but they'd always have music on sort of around the house and things like that how did that influence you as an artist um I think that I've never been able to shred (laughs) I wonder if that's like a there's a parallel there between like an athlete who can't 
like run really fast but can maybe do other things like yep. you know that's me like I I'm, and I also can't run very fast <laughs> or far but um yeah like I've never been able to um be to be technical I've always found that quite hard um but I've sort of made up for it in other ways maybe or sort of like I inadvertently played to strengths of you know other strengths or whatever yeah um and I, I don't quite know what they are, but um, but yeah, I think I think it's been good, like sort of not ever feeling like I've wanted to be chained to an instrument, um, uh, and it's worked out for me. And it's, I think it's worked out for me as a songwriter, and it's kind of been nice that like I feel like my trade is something that's somewhat intangible, um, which I think is cool, and it means I can kind of do whatever I want with it. Um, so like yeah, to me like writing songs is the most exciting part about what I do. Um, and yeah, and I think that that's kind of come from the fact that like I've never been particularly good at an, at an instrument. Um, it's always kind of gotten to a point, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, yeah. it definitely does. Yeah. yeah. Um, now as someone that's not super musically talented, but I really wish I was, <laughs> um, take us on the journey of writing a song. So is it, you sort of, I guess it could be twofold idea whether you have an idea and then you put it to paper or is there a like dedicated process where you sit down and go, okay, I'm going to try and write as many songs as I can in the next however long? Uh, I'm sort of in the latter at the moment, what you were saying, trying to write as many songs as I can in a given time just because I have the time yep. and that's sort of becoming more and more of a luxury, especially with touring. Um, so I'm sort of doing a bit of that at the moment and like that's far more like... I feel like I can be a bit more experimental with that because there is time. Um, like, and I sort of, I have like a list in my phone of like kind of like challenges that I like to set myself as a writer, like, you know, writing a song that only has two lines or writing a song that um, has a key change in it or like, you know, sort of things like that, which has been like a fun way to get ideas flowing and maybe the song itself doesn't fly, but like you can sort of use parts of it and, and, and re- rework things and come up with something cool. Um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 funny how like my songwriting process has changed with time because, you know, before you release your first record, you kind of just have these songs that you've just like sat down and written at any, you know, given point of your life. And then after that, it kind of needs to become a bit more targeted or conscious or something. Um, but it's been like an interesting thing learning how to still find the fun in it. And like up to now, I still, I still have that, which is great. Um, but I generally like write and produce simultaneously, which is really fun. And I did that for this most recent record, the best of luck club that came out this year. But I also try to not do that and, and not, I, I, I basically try to not form habits yep. cause I don't want to do the same thing again and again. Um, but you know, if someone asked me to write them a two and a half minute, you know, sort of indie punk song with three chords like I can do it <laughs> you know like, wow. I'll like I'll do it for them because like I've done it so many times before yeah um so it's um yeah it's been really fun and I've been spending a lot of this year working and working with and writing with other artists and doing um some production work for them as well so it's like good to not sort of be in my own head all the time and play a bit of dress ups and do different things that's cool yeah, yeah. and speaking of collaborations I know that you did um a sort of rework with Stand Atlantic yeah um and you released that one for Pride Month mm-hmm. um so you were doing it with the It Gets Better project. Yep. Um, so tell us a bit about that and it's obviously something that you really resonate with and, and that you're really passionate about. Yeah, I mean the Stand Atlantic guys, like that was very much there. Um, like they really drove that, which is such a huge credit to them. They're a great group of people. Um, bon, uh, who's the lead singer of that um, band, is very passionate about the It Gets Better project and they invited me in to do 
the song for that and it's just been great and she's, um, you know, just a great advocate for visibility and also for I just love the way that she, um, you know, is so proudly queer but like is like still rejects labels and I think that that's great and really and really really cool um but yeah obviously like um working with young queer people and and the community is something that I'm super passionate about and and I think it's like a really important um thing to do and you know we're doing stuff with it's get be- it gets better and with you know organizations like minus 18 and all that stuff is great um and and it goes so far but I think like something that goes equally as far as just trying to foster really inclusive behavior at gigs and and you know engagement with the records that we put out and and with the bands that we work with and all that kind of stuff like there is so much um value in just practicing what you preach and um it can come in it's just a behavior thing like you know it's not it's not necessarily about flying the flag all the time even though that's really important and it's a great way to be heard I think just like really practicing what you preach and integrating that in the way that you run a business or you're a part of a club or you do any of that is just really important and goes so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, perfect segue into the next one. So my favourite tweet of the year oh, yeah. um, was Pash my girlfriend in front of Izzy Falau this morning because God's plan. Um, now, obviously, tongue in cheek, a bit of a joke. Yeah. But, I mean, as a, as a footballer, seeing someone else that's on such a pedestal um, tweet the ideas and, and – the um I suppose beliefs that Izzy had um on his Instagram with such a following as well that made me feel I guess just the impact that that can have on other athletes and other I guess young queer kids that are growing up thinking that it's acceptable to be discriminated or to be talked about like that how did that make you feel and I guess what do you think about making sure that we're always so aware of the impact of our words, whether that's socially in an environment or publicly on social media. Yeah, I mean, I think that you've kind of like said it all there. Like, you know, I'm, I mean, I didn't, yeah, that tweet went off, (laughs) which is pretty funny. (laughs) But um, yeah, like I think that, um, you know, when you're in a position of like public, you know, when you're in a public figure, like you do have a responsibility to be, um, really mindful of what you're saying. And that's not to say that you don't say something that you believe in because you think someone's going to think something of you in a certain way. Like for so many years public figures haven't been saying that they're queer or gay because like they feel like their career will be over for it. Um, and I think that it's just really important to be mindful and aware of the power of words and that works both ways. I think, um, you know, those comments that um, Izzy made were um inherently wrong and highly discriminatory and I think that um Rugby Australia acted appropriately um and and that he got pulled up on it and it's also been interested people that that people who have sort of like even just like liked the content or whatever have also been pulled up on it um so I think it's just yeah I mean we could go on about it for ages and you know I'm now being really mindful of what I'm saying as well but you know I just think that that behavior there is no excuse for it um it's wrong it um and and it's great that the world has come to a point where people are being reprimanded for that kind of behavior because it's terrible and it's discriminatory and it's offensive and it's basically like unethical um so it's um you know I feel like you're View, viewpoint of it as an athlete would be particularly like interesting you know yeah yeah when I guess the AFLW is a really unique I guess circumstance yeah, where exactly. we've got so many out players that yep. are 
I think for us it has never been a thing where we've had to come out. We've been gay from the start yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've started playing football and no one really thought there was any need to hide our sexuality. Yeah. Um, but and then you've got this whole other thing where there's men's players that are oh. involved and, and things like that. So I think for me the thing that really resonated was the way that Rugby Australia handled it. Yeah. Um, and it, could have, it would have been really difficult for them to have to take the action that they did. There would have been a lot of discussion about it. Like I think that, you know, yeah, I think it, it was such, it was huge. Like yeah. it was a huge discussion for everyone. Um, yeah. But I think that, I think that, I mean, I'm not quite sure. I don't think anyone really knows what the true outcome of it has been. Um, but I think that the fact that, you know, I think it really did set an example for sure. Yeah, that, that behaviour is not acceptable. And especially for such a high profile, yeah, figure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just unacceptable and, yeah, it's it's great that it's being spoken about for sure. Yeah. yeah. And speaking about media attention, obviously with some of the things that have been said about women's football in the media, they're not always positive. Mm. Um, there's always this comparison to the men's. There's this, oh, they're not good enough. Why mm. are they getting paid? Things like that. There's negative media attention as well as there is positive. Mm-hmm. For yourself, how has that been going from, I guess, being an artist where you then grow in the media spotlight, I guess your music evolves while everyone's listening. How have you handled, has there been negative criticism? How have you handled that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be, you know, no no one's going to like something, you know, not everyone is going to like something that someone does, like, you know, in any kind of, you know, sphere. Yeah. There's always going to be opinions. Um, I think for me, like, I... I mean, it's. A, it, I feel like as a creative, it's kind of easier to reject things than yeah. maybe as an athlete. Like I think that the scrutiny as an athlete, it's it's that's hard. You know, that's it's hard, and there are so many like literal like textbooks and stuff <laughs> that people can point to, being like, "Well, they're not doing this right," you know, all that sort of stuff. Whereas, like as a musician, you can kind of be like, "Well, this is how I'm doing it," you know. And maybe that is an approach that you can take as an athlete to sort of like yeah. you know combat that negative energy. But for me, I just kind of do my own thing, like. Um, and, and I think it's, like, funny how, um, you know, even, you know, certain things that there's always going to be negative feedback on, like, for example, every time you, anyone does like a version on Triple J, like, there's always some sort of negative, um, you know, opinions about it, which is, art. you know, like, people, not everyone likes everything. And, you know, we did the one this year that was, like, largely, like, positively received and, like, the artist that we covered, like, really liked it as well. And But there's still negative stuff that's, you know, said about it and that's cool. Like, I mean, you know. You've, you've single-handedly got My Chemical Romance back well, together. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, like, it's – I think, in, you know, the way that I see it with art is, like, if you're just engaging with the music and you don't dig it, like, that's fine, you know, like, that's – I don't like everything I hear either. Like that's totally fine. Just as long as you're not making it personal and mean and nasty um, or attributing that to something like my gender, like, you know, like that then like those things I have no sort of time and tolerance for. But, you know, you know, like the fact that I played an A chord instead of a G chord, like whatever or, (laughs) you know, you don't like the story they're telling a song or you don't relate to it, like that's fine. Like, you know, um, but, you know, I think like with sports and just, you know, it's like I think there's a lot more room for very, you know, sexist commentary with that kind of stuff. I don't think that that's on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think as a musician, it's kind of like a bit easier to kind of just like roll with the punches. Yeah. Um, but people being nasty and that kind of stuff, like that's not on. Um, but I think that, you know, we're able to call that out a bit more. And it's it's just like 
at a point where it's just not cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's not cool to do that. So yeah. I, I feel like there's a culture shift there, which is great. Yeah, we're yeah. slowly getting there, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, slowly, slowly, yeah. yeah. You like what you hear? I know I do. Subscribe to Owning It to never miss an episode. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you mentioned it before with the gender equality or inequality, I suppose, yeah. um, in Australian music, and the gap is definitely closing very slowly. What do you think? You said um, obviously there's a lot more graduates that are female um, and then you go on to look at statistics sort of anywhere about music that's produced or written or awards that are given out Mm -hmm. um, and it's inherently male. Mm -hmm. What do you think the music industry is doing? What can be done better? Why do you think there is this gap? I think that the gap is closing, like you said. I think that that one thing that maybe you and I kind of can kind of relate on this because we're the same age. Like when we were 18, you probably didn't think that you were ever going to play professional footy. No, not you at know? all. Yeah. And now it's like 18-year-olds know that they can do that. I think that like the way that the scene looks now from when I was 18 is very, very, very different. And I think that um, it's going to continue to shift and probably start doing it a bit more exponentially than it has before. And I think that that's just a matter of um, – you know, what we, what we were saying, like um, young girls seeing young women play footy, play music, play guitar, play cricket, you know, like they're seeing it on telly and they're seeing it on, you know, um, on stages and that kind of stuff and that's where the change happens. Um, you know, there are so many great Australian artists who are doing different things like you know, I would love to see a graph of like the increase in girls learning how to play drums after hearing G flip, you know, like, you know, just sort of like things like that. I think that make a huge difference. And it's, um, and I think that that's awesome. And it's great to see like so many girls forming bands, like, you know, a couple I can think of like Dulcie are a great band and Teen Jesus and the Gene Teasers are awesome. And (laughs) like, there's all these young girls who are just like doing it. And the coolest part about it, I think, is that, um, you know, like we had Teen Jesus open for us at a show not that long ago and they kind of didn't sound like anything that I had heard before in a way that it wasn't like, you know how sometimes you can hear a band you're like, oh, they obviously love, you know, X, Y or Z or, you know, like they obviously are influenced by these bands and kind of hearing Teen Jesus and being like, you kind of just sound like you. And I feel like a reason for that is because there's kind of no precedent as to what they think that they need to sound like. Yep. And so I reckon there's like all this sort of innovation coming from like young girls playing music and sort of just doing it their way. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that we hear and see more of in the next like five to ten years, which yeah, I'm really course. excited about. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you felt yourself that there's ever been a bit of a barrier in your career because of your gender? Um. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like I think that the... Uh, th- there definitely was like a few years ago the idea of like oh you know we've filled the female rock quota like you know sort <laughs> yep. of thing in festivals I think that that's like happening less and less which is great but um you know like things that we also don't talk about and that you know some people do, that will maybe will never know about are things like um you know like obviously visibility is huge and who's on lineups and where they are on lineups is huge but like pay gaps and that kind of thing is sort of especially in the music industry doesn't really get spoken about and it's very private um, so it is. It's very like you wouldn't know if you're on a set, uh, a lineup of a festival. You've got no idea sort of what the yeah. the breakdown is. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you don't really know what everyone's getting paid, which yeah. is which, like I say, is fair enough, but like also interesting. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of hard to regulate that. Um. But uh. Yeah. So there are definitely barriers, but I think that again they're slowly coming down, and and people who maybe haven't upheld great behaviour 
you know, in those, you know, live music settings are also getting pulled up and there are some great artists who do some great work to make that happen, like Maz DeVita at Wax and, um, you know, she's amazing at, you know, creating safe spaces at, at shows and the Camp Cope guys have, like, yeah. you know, they're building an amazing legacy on that. And, um, yeah, so things are changing and, and basically, like, the standards are changing, etiquette's changing and it's more beneficial to everyone having a good time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is there anything that you're interested in? Obviously, you're in the, the phase of your life where you're writing and performing music but getting into the, I guess, later down the track, collaborating with other female artists to... I guess, really put together female-only festivals or things like that. Is that anything that could be a possibility? I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I am up for whatever at this stage. Yeah. Um, I really want to sort of um, get myself set up to a point where if I was to do something like that, that it would actually have, like, an impact and be beneficial to the artists who are involved yep. in that if that makes sense yeah yeah um like I don't sort of want to like undermine people who are coming on board for something like that I want to make sure that there's always something in it for them as well and something in it for the community of course um so yeah that's definitely something that I like think about a lot and you know we do things to involve ourselves in those spaces as well all the time like we have you know um a pretty um like well broadcast sort of like code of conduct among like the people that we work with in our team and you know things like inclusivity as I keep saying is like a huge part of um of what we do at our shows and making sure that people always feel like they belong and that they're safe and all those kinds of things you know we have things that we do to make sure that happens you know just even just little things like having gender neutral bathrooms and that kind of stuff and just calling out behavior is like things that we do so like I was saying, I think it's just about practicing what you preach and, you know, doing that on a larger scale is like, you know, in something like the form of a festival or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And we will always be in, uh, involved in those kinds of things. But I think to do it properly, like, is something that I'm really conscious of and yeah. want to really make sure that it's worth worth everyone's while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Your partner, Gordy, she's also a very successful musician. Yes. A bit of a power couple, aren't you? <laughs> um, she's the brains. The, <laughs> the brains of the operation. Um, now, I wasn't aware, but we were just talking before and she's actually studying medicine as well, nearly finished. She's a, no, she's done. She's, she's a done. doctor. Dr. Wow. Gordy. Yeah. yeah. So Dr. Gordy. she's, yeah, just about to finish her internship. Yeah. So how does that work? Obviously, you've been on tour a lot this year. Yeah. Um, she's just done an internship. How, did, how does that work? Do you guys get to spend a lot of time together? Uh, is yeah, it? I mean, I won't go too, too into my personal life, but no, it's like, no, no. but it's um, she, yeah, we are like any other, you know, busy pair yep. of people, um, and juggling two really yeah, separate careers, juggling our careers, yeah, and um, you know, just always so respectful of one another and um, determined to help the other out and be involved and you know, um, and just always putting you know the things that matter first yeah so yeah but she's um yeah just about to finish up and um is very excited about that and yeah I'm very proud of her and I think that she's very proud of herself and she should be so <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. yeah yeah I mean just for us sometimes it's really hard to manage relationships outside totally. of football yeah. like we'll go to work all day we'll train yeah. all night we'll come home grumpy as yeah. all hell and yeah. have to go and do it the next day so yeah, yeah for us trying to get that quality time together and and even just making sure that you're in the right frame of, frame of mind around each other is, yeah. is difficult at times. And even just with friends and that kind of thing, like, you know, your your personal life, it's so sacred and yep. especially when we lead the busy lives that we do, you want to give the best version of yourself to the people that you love and to the people that love you. And that's, um you know, it can be challenging at times. But, again, it's about, like, really knowing what matters and 
um, and yeah, putting that those feet first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, so we're recording this in December, but let's have a look forward. What's next for Alex Leahy? What's going to happen in 2020? Obviously, apart from you performing at the grand final when the Saints take home the AFLW Premiership. Oh my god, the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I'm down. Uh, as long as you're down, oh, you're down to play. Yeah. If, if you're down there, play. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll play. It's a deal. If not, I can just do backup vocals. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to the grand final somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, uh, yeah, no, 2020 is going to be a great year. We've got new music coming out, which is awesome. Uh, got a bunch of touring. Um, I think the only tour that's announced so far is that we're doing City and Colour in April through Australia, which is great. And then be, there'll be some like other stuff coming up. Um, you know, travel and the like and, I mean, maybe I'll record another record next year. I'm not too sure yet but definitely like just writing and having fun and working with, you know, musicians that I love and, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah, just going to. The world is your oyster, yeah, whatever you want to do. Just rolling with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just doing the things that I love to do, just writing and playing songs and performing yeah. with people and working with people and watching footy. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, a question I ask all my guests. Yes. What is one piece of advice that you would give your 12-year-old self? Um, oh, the Saints are going to have a professional team in 2020, so... <laughs> Don't hang out for don't it. stop kicking the footy <laughs> <laughs> drop the sacks <laughs> pick up the footy <laughs> oh, that's awesome thank you so much for joining us Alex and all the best in 2020 it's a pleasure. wait to see you around the club a bit more yeah whenever I'll be in the pool <laughs> <laughs> thanks you, Alex thanks for listening to Owning It make sure you subscribe and keep an eye out for the next episode coming to your ears soon I'm Kate McCarthy let's own it